With that, I would uh, lead on or, in fact, hand over to uh, our next speaker, uh, Dr. Pitkovic. He's uh, a partner in the law firm uh, Grafen Pitkovic. He's uh, head of the dispute resolution function there. He's uh, a very knowledgeable international um, arbitrator as well as um, uh, advisor on arbitration with um, he's given me a, a number of <laughs> acronyms that uh, I will not pronounce now because uh, it will be uh, probably too long but um, rather would like to hear from you directly uh, and I hand over to you thank you thank you very much it's a great pleasure and honor for me to be here and thank you very much for the invitation to speak in front of you I was actually reminded this morning about the significance of disputes stemming from the energy market liberalization when I received a call from my wife uh, who informed me that the power had gone out in our house and she couldn't leave it. The garage door wouldn't open, the gate wouldn't open and she said it's you because you switched providers and, <laughs> and uh, actually there was a total power failure in part of Vienna and um, um, I managed to give her some, some advice on some remote opening, but it shows the dependence on uh, energy and it also shows that sometimes you need teeth. I was already preparing to file an action, but there's no need to do that. So, um, as we just learned really from uh, Ms. Um, Rosetta Kaova, the um, energy um, community has not uh, fully developed uh, its law enforcement system. Um, the Ministerial Council may declare that the breach is made, provided it reaches the required majority, um, but that's about it. So it's, uh, it's like a lion without teeth. It can roar, but it cannot bite. Now, my task here is um, to discuss with you um, what can be done to give this lion teeth? And um, in the 15 minutes or 25 minutes or <laughs> 30 minutes, no, I'll try to make it short in the time given to me, um, I would like to discuss uh, two concepts. Um, one is a regional court. Um, that is uh, already the title of my presentation. And the second is a court of arbitration. Now, um, before going into that, why is there a need uh, for a better law enforcement? I think uh, to give an example, which was taken from the energy community's website, if uh, Macedonia, uh, for example, um, enacts a law under which it opens its energy market only in 2020, and not as it has um, committed and agreed in 2015. Um, so what can an investor do who has invested in Macedonia, uh, waiting for the market opening and has uh, ready, um, and has as a result potentially suffered um, a loss? Now, um, there is a report by the high level reflection group of the energy community of May uh, 2014, uh, which already mentions in very, very clear words um, 
that um, it is fundamental for investors within the energy community uh, to have a system, and I'm quoting here, enabling vigorous and independent enforcement in countries which may not provide for credible recourse path for private and non-incumbent investors to pursue in case of breach on contracts. Now, why can't investors go to the national courts? Because that would be the obvious and clear uh, issue. Why not? Now, um, I think in theory they can. Um, and uh, there are, however, a few obstacles and problems. One is uh, what Rosetta already addressed. Uh, that is the question of the direct application of the Energy Community Treaty. Now here there is uh, some debate about that and I think if we use some analogy to the um, European Union uh, Treaty then we can, uh, on the basis of Article 6, we can probably say there could be a case made but um, will the regional courts accept that? And what if they don't accept it? Is there any body you can go to um, to appeal? There is not. Now, of course, there are other problems with um, national courts, um, and that is why they cannot provide an investor, and I'm speaking here mainly from an investor's perspective, uh, why they cannot provide an investor the level of confidence uh, it expects. Now, um, one reason which may be known to many of you is, is corruption, um, that the court system, there is an... Um, agency actually seated in Austria, Transparency International, and they publish um, regularly a corruption index. And they have an index for corruption in the judicial system, uh, which ranks corruption on a level from one to five. One is absolutely not corrupt, and five is absolutely corrupt. And um, they have, um, if you look at that, um, to give you some example, um, Switzerland, for example, has 2.2, which is uh, one of the best. Um, I think there's only one or two countries be below two. Austria is not um, listed in that uh, ranking, so I cannot give you the figures, <laughs> which may be good. <laughs> uh, the US have 3.3, which is already relatively high. But if you look to Southeast Asia, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina have 3.8, Montenegro 3.9, Albania, Kosovo, Serbia 4.3, and um, Bulgaria 4.4, and uh, Ukraine um, tops it with 4.5. So um, I think that is definitely a problem with many investors when they are faced, uh, when they have to bring their claim in front of a national court. Now, what um, are the alternatives? And I'm now going straight into one alternative, uh, which is which I'm going to debate with you. That's a court of justice. And this is also mentioned in the proposal 4.6, uh, which I already mentioned on the report by the high-level reflection group of the energy community of May 2014, which explicitly requests that the dispute settlement procedure should be gradually replaced by a court of justice 
based on the EU model as applied in the European Economic Area, in brackets, after court. Before becoming a permanent institution, the court could convene on an ad hoc basis. The court should also be accessible directly by individuals and companies. End of quote. Now, um, the creation um, of a court of justice would have the result that the uh, decisions on legal issues would be decided by a court, uh, by a uh, body consisting of professional judges, um, and that is a big difference to the present system. Um, the Ministerial Council, which presently decides, is uh, not necessarily comprised of legal experts and uh, can not necessarily be considered neutral. Um, but even more important, uh, a court can render an enforceable decision um, and grant protection for individuals and companies, uh, which the Ministerial Council clearly cannot. Um, the court would need um, to be established, uh, of course, by a separate agreement. It needs to be uh, a contract amendment and, of course, consent of all the uh, contracting parties. And let me just share um, a, very f a few uh, thoughts and ideas about how that court should be looking like or could possibly be looking like, uh, which I have uh, developed now also in discussing uh, this issue with the Secretariat uh, of um, the Energy Community. Now, I think uh, in the initial phase it could be a body giving advisory opinions. Um, this would be a very useful tool of assistance to national courts, particularly in the um, interpretation of law and in the interpretation uh, of the energy community treaty and the national obligations, uh, that could be very helpful. And uh, particularly if an investor would have the right uh, to recourse the courts to get an advisory opinion. Um, those opinions would be binding on the national courts. Um, and uh, would be in a way different uh, from the system now of the European Court of Justice, uh, because as I mentioned before, uh, it could be directly accessed by individuals, um, and uh, the jurisdiction would in the first phase be limited to the interpretation of the Energy Community Treaty. So um, it would be a limited Jurisdiction. In the second phase, um, that court, if that uh, develops, could really replace and should replace uh, the present uh, dispute resolution mechanism. And um, if it's modeled after the EFTA court, it would indeed uh, guarantee the subjective rights of the investors and could be directly, uh, in specific cases, called upon by investors who have suffered damages. Now, how would that court be composed and how would the judges be uh, elected? I think here we have a very good model already in the um, Treaty on Functioning of the European Union, uh, which provides for uh, member states to nominate uh, candidates and a panel, um, an expert panel, uh, 
often composed of retired judges, uh, which is a part of the of the community then, who would be then interviewing the candidates and selecting them. Now, um, the court procedures, um, I think that should uh, follow general models and it's not something, uh, it's a more technical issue I don't want to bore you with. Um, I think there should be a need for hearings to be public uh, and transparent. Um, I think there should be a right for third parties also to be heard. Um, in the proceedings to file an uh, amicus curiae or a, uh, another way a uh, submission to be heard but not being a necessarily be a party. Uh, the decisions should be final um, and uh, with very, very limited uh, exceptions. Now, um, that's the court model and I want to uh, before I close, just give you an alternative because, I mean, lawyers um, always have alternatives and uh, as a lawyer um, you always need to present or think what is, what's the option, what's the other option. And the other option um, is a court of arbitration. And a court of arbitration, um, here more precisely, is an ISDS. It's an investor state dispute settlement. Uh, this is a model uh, which is very common, uh, which is used um, throughout the world. Actually, there are more than or almost 3,000 uh, bilateral investment treaties now, which are based agreements between states uh, which follow that model. Um, the NAFTA has it and the TTIP uh, is having uh, this debates it. Uh, now with a lot of, of public uh, negative opinion, uh, which is in my view misplaced, but that is not the topic for <laughs> today's discussion. Um, the, the model of the, um, the advantage of an arbitral, uh, of a court of arbitration um, is that it, is a, um, it doesn't require any financing in the first place. Uh, it has a um, enforceability guarantee of, of decisions uh, because uh, under the New York Convention and of 1958 and the European uh, Convention of 1961 many um, the decisions of an arbitral tribunal are worldwide enforceable um, and uh, it is a system which we also know uh, from another um, energy-related uh, treaty, the Energy Charter Treaty. And the Energy Charter Treaty that has a, a very complex model of dispute resolution clauses, um, but um, apart from diplomacy um, and a um, adjudication process in case of transit disputes, uh, it uh, elects arbitration both in investor state and also in interstate uh, dispute and that has been actually quite successful. There have been 64 cases filed so far. Many of uh, you probably have heard of the Yukus and the Vattenfall case which were filed under the Energy um, Charter Treaty. Now um, with that I think I've exhausted uh, my the time given to me um, and <laughs> Andreas has not stood up yet and walked around so the <laughs> Uh, so I, I would leave it to our discussion um, to debate. Um, I think there's no question the line needs teeth, uh, but how 
shiny and uh, figured these teeth should be, whether these should be uh, court teeth or arbitration teeth. Thank you very much. Thank you.